0: split-tube media and a synesthesia podcast present a special daily October podcast. Hell, 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 to the king, 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 Jason, have you read Stephen King's books? Have you read Stephen King's books, 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 King movie, a Stephen King movie. King movie, a Stephen King movie. King movie, a Stephen King movie. I have done my best
1: to scare the shit out of you guys. Okay. Uh, welcome back to hell to the king um i'm always so embarrassed when i listen back to those things that i do
0: are you i am I'm always impressed with your uh lack of self-consciousness just well, as a in general
1: it's not a lack it's just that i shut it down like i have it and i just push it to the side and then it just comes I- flooding back as soon as i'm done
0: well that's the thing i really admire about you so don't don't feel bad <laughs> How about your, about your... Thank up. you! <laughs> I wish I could do that. Um, well- I can only do it if I'm alone <laughs> in the house and no one's listening.
1: Well, that's sort of what it feels like. I'm just talking to you, right? Nobody else is going to hear this.
0: Yeah, I suppose that's true. Uh,
1: we are back for the fifth, count them, fifth night of hell true. to the king His is we're only on five
0: <laughs> we've definitely done 18
1: <laughs> we haven't even finished a week uh it's gonna
0: I've... be a long month <laughs> jason i hope you know i've been i've been only eating popcorn this whole time
1: <laughs> to keep myself <laughs> in
0: the movie mode
1: a month of popcorn
0: yeah, and I think I might be jaundiced. I
1: think I think you might also never poop again.
0: Well, that's fine. Who needs to? Man, it's just it's such a time waste.
1: Uh, you're not making microwave popcorn, are you? Because I hear they can give you popcorn lung.
0: No, I make it in a bucket. <laughs> it just it gives me popcorn stomach.
1: <laughs>
0: that's what uh, I'm in it for, though. Uh,
1: popcorn lung, the latest 500-page book by Stephen King. <laughs> Yeah. Um speaking of 500 page books, the f- we're going to do a double episode today and the first one, the first movie is The Dead Zone. Uh I'm going to redo everything I just said cuz that was that was terrible. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to I'm going to cut that and say uh where am I? Okay, here I am. We're here. What's happening? <laughs> Um, Alright, it's a double episode today, uh, because we hate ourselves, and we have to get through uh, 5,000 movies by the end of the month.
0: So today we watched Cujo 2 and Cujo 3.
1: It's true, Joe. <laughs> uh, no, today we are doubling up The Dead Zone uh, and Christine. Uh, and I wanted to double these up r- roughly for the same reason that we doubled up Carrie and The Shining, uh, in the first episode. You knew they'd be good? Well, yeah. You'd want to crank through all the good ones? <laughs> I, I did feel like we will have less interesting things to say about the good ones, because everybody's already seen the good ones. They know which ones... You know, they, they, these are the classics. People know the Dead Zone. People know Christine. Um, so I, I, I did want to make some more room for the weirder ones that maybe fewer people have seen, or that just don't get as much attention and as much love. And we will probably regret that within a week from today. But... Oh, for sure uh, <laughs> for now we are back on top after the uh <laughs> the cardboard oh, man. Uh, scares of cujo <laughs> the man in a big dog suit uh with toothpaste on his mouth uh it was you know if they played it
0: as a man in a dog suit who was trying to murder those people instead of a dog it would be a better movie
1: or even if they had just made it even more obviously a man in a dog suit and more shots. Yeah. Because they, they yeah. that's actually part of the problem is they put other dogs in a dog suit, but they could have put a yeah. man in a dog suit for a lot more shots and it would have been a lot more entertaining. Agreed. Um but no, so we're we're back on top. We had a double dose of uh solid, solid king adaptations from two great directors. Uh, and one of the other reasons I wanted to double this up is because I have a little a little pet idea pet thing right now i'm I, I don't know actually what i'm gonna do with it and i'm i'm gonna make you talk to me about it because uh okay. I'm, I'm not sure where it's going but i i have this notion of of cronenberg and carpenter uh mm-hmm. david cronenberg director of the dead zone and john carpenter and
0: karen carpenter, director of famous and and karen carpenter
1: uh john carpenter director of christine uh, both of them, directors, also of many, many other movies. Um, I have this idea of them as some sort of yin and yang, of some sort of opposed, complementary but opposed figures in in eighties in horror movie, but movies, but also in general in their in their overall uh, artistic uh, forces. Uh, but we don't have to get into yeah. that just yet. First, let's let's take these movies one by one. I'm very interested because last time I talked to you off air. You said you had some things to say about the Dead Zone, and I want to hear what they are.
0: Can I I also just want to note that Carpenter and Cronenberg are also like a yin and yang in regards to where the hair is on their heads. <laughs> I think it's important to know. Um, D- dead Zone f- feels to me... So we talked eight years ago about how... About your, your sort of coming into this theory about... Uh, about these books all being very internal, um, with, with sort of a, a thread plot that then a lot of, a lot of what the movie is gonna be is, is watching what the director hangs onto that, like, thin line that is the actual plot, uh, because the internal stuff is difficult. And this movie, I think, is a s- super. I, I was watching, I've been watching all of them with that kind of in mind, and this one feels like an incredible version of that. It also feels like a lot of these have felt so far like, like, there's a lot of book, and they're like, well, I'm gonna have to lop it up a lot. Um, but Cronenberg takes this movie at, at a clip, man. It's, it's like three minutes into the movie, he's established this, this relationship and destroyed it. It's and I think it speaks to the strength of young pre. Parody of himself, Christopher Walken, um, and and I don't actually know who the woman is who plays his fiance at the beginning, but they're such a charming, beautiful couple for the two minutes that they get to be that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then like within fifteen minutes of the movie starting, Walken has gone through this tragedy and has been in a coma for five years and is awake and is a known psychic. Right, fifteen minutes into the movie. Oh yeah,
1: it wastes. No time.
0: It's amazing. Um, But but it kind of makes sense also, because it's clearly... There's two whole... Well, so the way I was watching it at first, and the way I kind of remember it from having seen it years ago, is that there are functionally two whole movies here, right? Where it's... Oh, yeah. There's the first half-ish is a movie... About a series of murders that are happening, that then Christopher Walken solves um, in this like beautiful, painful moment where he he psychically watches a murder happen, and then he comes out of his psychic fit. He he has this whole emotional panic because he feels like he was there and couldn't do and like didn't do anything. He feels like he could have stopped it but didn't, which is I don't know. It's it's such a lovely human being his character oh yeah well um, it, it,
1: it both those things are both very um well actually i was gonna say i was gonna say it's both very king and very cronenberg but it's actually far more king yeah. than cronenberg because cronenberg mm, yes is not when i think of cronenberg moral guilt is not a no. big idea in his universe
0: his, his characters are generally unapologetically whoever they are right They're like, they, don't, they don't have anything to prove yeah the, uh, but then, the, yeah, and then the second whole half is sort of this like political intrigue thing, and then in the last fifteen minutes, he introduces the sort of final thrust where he's like, "Oh, I I should kill this guy, but is it correct to kill this guy?" You know, and that like could be a whole movie, <laughs> yeah. But it but it's just the last fifteen minutes, and it didn't. It took me until the very end of the movie to realize that I think I was watching it. I think that that is it's a. I was watching it, thinking about it that way, but you can also think about it as a super traditional story structure where it's like... Except I've forgotten what my traditional story structure is now. Like, <laughs> 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 I figured it out for like an hour after I watched it. It's, uh... He becomes a psychic, and then the whole second act is him... I don't know. I don't know. I lost it. I'm sorry. <laughs>
1: uh, well, so So the second act is this whole other like search for a killer. Well I, I
0: yes. In in my other read I was lumping together I was like the second half of the first story and the first half of the second story makes sense as his sort of personal growth because he he moves on to another town and like moves past Everything. I don't know. Oh yeah. I, yeah know know. I, mean, I
1: I think you're I think you're grasping towards something correct, which is it it feels weirdly paced and structured, but that's only in comparison to how uh cliched and standardized Hollywood storytelling, right? Like it is actually very traditional storytelling storytelling to have a character go through some sort of trauma and then move on to another venue and and go through a sort of a, a pseudo repetition of that trauma it's, it's like a variation on a theme but then come out of it slightly differently and then move on to a last trauma and where you know you you come through it as completely changed in this case like dying a tragic hero's death um, you know like that's that's like classical almost this, this sort of uh, or, or operatic maybe like this this continued variation on a theme like we're gonna do this one way and then we're gonna do the same thing another way and, and then we're gonna do the same thing a third way and the differences are gonna be where the meaning comes from um, that's not really how Hollywood story structure works yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um I was
0: so there's a moment in this movie uh after he's alive again and his ex-fiancée is married with a child where she comes over and they just hang out and then have sex for one night mm-hmm. um and while it was happening I was like I was like I hope her husband knows what she's doing <laughs> and and then when they meet, the way that her husband treats Christopher Walken, I was like, "Oh, he definitely did." Yeah. He like definitely <laughs> he was totally like, "It's okay. Like it. How, you have one night. Go do this." Yeah,
1: exactly. Um,
0: which is really sweet, I think.
1: Yeah, and I would believe. I again, I have. Not, this is not one of the books I've read. Uh, it's a very long book, uh, but I would believe that that in the King telling, uh, he does know, or like there's some yeah. some recognition of that. Um, but yeah, it, it's, uh, it's a weirdly, like you, like you said, the pace of the movie is very quick in a certain way, but it also, it has that Cronenberg coldness and, yeah. and deliberateness to it at the same time, which is very interesting.
0: Yeah. It never feels like it's rushing. It like, it covers a lot of ground very quickly, but it feels, if anything, it feels like it's sort of moving at a sedate p- p- pace.
1: Yeah. And that's something Cronenberg movies often do i feel like is that yeah. when you actually go back and look at them especially the early ones but but a lot of the different ones the story-wise they move along at a steady clip like he he doesn't let things just linger he's not one of those directors mm. that just like holds on a scene for a long time or or has nothing happening he's moving on to the next idea he's moving on to the next scene he's moving on to the next you know line of dialogue or action that means something to him but within those scenes everything is done at a fairly deliberate pace it's not rushed yeah. through it's not frenetic and so you get this bifurcated sense of you know things are moving quickly because the story is is dense and continually moving along but individual actions and and tonal qualities and uh you know personalities are are somehow slower than you expect a movie that where the story moves this fast to be and so you you end up in this i mean it, cliche to say but it's almost dreamlike right like you know yeah things are moving along and you're constantly having ideas and 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 things happen that mean things but you're also your body is physically sedated and there's a slowness to it at the same time
0: it's very um it's he seems like an exceptionally confident filmmaker. <laughs>
1: yes. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, this is you know we're we're dealing with we're, we're dealing with one of the greats. Like I, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm along far enough in my uh, weird opinions about film. I, I'd probably put Cronenberg above Kubrick at the point as a filmmaker oh
0: uh, yeah i absolutely yeah. would too uh <laughs>
1: um, I, I don't know why i was so reticent to say that it just seemed so against uh common wisdom or you know the, the the common perception of it or maybe it's just against what i would have said when i was 15 but
0: yeah well you should probably stick with your 15 year old idea yeah,
1: right i'm first thought best thought that's
0: what yeah that's what i you know learned from my mother
1: yeah i mean the best album of all time is burl lives watch the donut not the hole
0: hey, that's That's probably true.
1: Right? So, you know, you you learned that. You realize that on your own when you're three years old. You don't need to have more opinions after that. Yeah, you're done. Let's talk about Christine. Yeah. Uh, And shitters.
0: This movie feels to me... So, uh, Carpenter, also one of the greats, for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, And this movie feels to me like... He, this, You were saying earlier that a lot of these movies are people being like, okay, I guess I'll make this movie, and I feel like this must have been one of them. I, because I feel like the script they gave him for this movie is so terrible.
1: If I remember <laughs> correctly, this was his attempt to make a studio film again after mm. the thing bombed so terribly.
0: Which, like, what a weird... Can you imagine the thing mm. not doing well. I don't know how that happened.
1: I mean, I can. It's a really bleak uh like small weird feeling movie. Uh So good. Being released into Reagan's America. Like <laughs>
0: he, Oh, you know? yeah, okay, maybe. Oh, but it's like one of the best
1: movies. Oh, it's amazing. Don't I don't take what I'm saying the wrong way. It's amazing.
0: Um, I just have a hard time imagining people watching it and being like, "Nah." But I guess they just didn't watch it. Is anyway, that's not what we're talking about. The uh, But uh, it's definitely yeah, it definitely feels like it was like going to be a studio movie and someone wrote a script and it's such a bad
1: script. Oh, yeah.
0: Um, but then everything he does on top of that terrible script is so good. It's interesting to watch because it's like it's like the bones stayed bad. It's it's like a it's like a whole person where all of their bones are made out of bent coat hangers, uh, but they're just so beautiful.
1: Yeah, and I, I feel like um like Carpenter and Cronenberg are both writers, but I do feel yes. like it's it I don't know what it's indicative of, but it's indicative of something that coming onto this job. I think Carpenter pretty much just took the script and shot it because he was not going yeah. to uh, put himself into this. You know what I mean? Like he a- After this, he'd go back to making more or less independent films for the rest of his career sure. and be making the films he wanted to make. Uh, and this yeah. was his, like, I'm going to take this as a studio job and, and, and earn my paycheck. And he just shot the script. Mm-hmm. Whereas Cronenberg, um, if I remember all my trivia correctly, did a lot of work on the script that he inherited when he took over the dead zone project. And I do feel like And that makes sense because yeah. that,
0: that project, as much as it's very Stephen Kingy, also feels when you watch it, you're like, this is a Cronenberg movie.
1: Yeah. And, and I think Cronenberg, uh, this is not to, to point to one of them being a better filmmaker than the other. Although I do have, I think my, my preferences um, Cronenberg to me, it seems like is, is not a filmmaker who would, Take a movie uh, without—I don't want to say without doing something on the script, but I don't think he would take a bad script and just shoot it without doing something to it. I still think he would do it, and Carpenter did—he just did it as a job—and you know sometimes you got to do that. Um, But it it is something—something there. About
0: that, but what's I think what's interesting about it, or what's the most interesting for me when I was watching it, is that it is it's clearly he yeah he was like all right these are the words on the page let's go but then every decision he made after that is like so deeply Carpenter oh and yeah so aesthetically strong and like the casting is super good and all 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 of the effects decisions and the music is almost identical to Halloween three <laughs> uh it's, it's there's so much of what's going on is amazing. Uh, um, and it's funny that he was like yeah I'll just make this terrible script but I'll but I'll use all of my flourishes it's, it still feels like he, his voice is
1: there yeah he managed know? to he managed to infuse it with a tone like it's a fun movie for being a, a bad script yeah. it's a really fun
0: movie
1: oh 100% and just the way and he shoots also, the the like, like it doesn't yeah. feel like he's doing anything that special and i'm sure i'm blanking on the cinematographer for the movie you know i'm sure that he had quite a lot to do with it, but it, okay. does, it doesn't feel like they're doing anything particularly special, except that somehow the car looks more car than <laughs> any other movie I can think of. Mm-hmm. Like They were like, let's shoot this car, but more so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's really beautiful. Well, what do you make of my, yeah. uh, my Cronenberg-Carpenter dichotomy? That I don't even really know <laughs> what I mean by it, but the, just uh, for some reason it's been nagging at me. Yeah. I
0: mean, I feel, I definitely feel the spirit of it um it it doesn't feel wrong for sure there's i mean they yeah I, I partially it's like they're similar era and they're working in relatively similar genres right yeah i mean um, i think they, they even ended up doing such
1: like late night shows at the same time or something like talking about I'm sure the yeah. new movies that they had coming out
0: i believe that um and they both have such strong voices i do i do think that it's i think you dipped into it a little bit when you're talking about cronenberg's sort of story and and pacing he he has sort of a like there's a confident uh, sedateness, you know. There's like a. There's like a. He has a very strong. Like everything is moving. There's like a. There's like a sense of fate kind of controlling everything in his movies. I think. Where
1: yeah, very much so. Things are
0: just moving forward. Um,
1: yeah, it's this ineluctable and, and force crushing down.
0: Yeah, uh, and. Carpenter, I feel like, is dealing with really similar things, but it feels like his is more of a human-driven version of a similar conceit.
1: I think that's right, because all of Carpenter's films feel like work. And I don't mean that like they're a labor for me, but like you're it feels like people working, you're seeing people do things and and move things along and even the horror films where there's this strong sense of doom or fate like you know, Halloween, Prince of Darkness, where there's this overwhelming force moving things mm-hmm. along, it visually it moves along. Along the lines of people, it's all like, it, he's he's very much like a Howard Hawksian yes. action and and dialogue director. Whereas yeah. I do agree that Cronenberg somehow, the people are in the film and the film is moving along. Whereas with Carpenter, the film yes. doesn't move until the people move.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like even like Prince of Darkness, I think is a great example because there is that sort of the tube of goo devil, which may be the best devil in a movie i think um,
1: uh yeah i'm hard pressed to think otherwise
0: yeah uh, but and and it's like the the thing that's spurring everything along and it's pushing but all you're watching is people reacting to it right and it's and on both sides even you're watching the sort of the people in that church who are doing science uh having they're like falling apart and and uh, and freaking out and reacting to things and then also there's like the the army of of people led by alice cooper outside uh who are pulled by it's all about the people even though the sort of antagonist is a tube of goo yeah which i think is part of why it's such a strong choice for him to make his devil just an abstract object um be- because he is all about watching alice cooper melt into bugs
1: yeah no I, I, absolutely all right, i think you they also it. have sort of opposite <laughs>
0: color palettes
1: oh yeah yeah, yeah definitely no Car- carpenter has this has this vividness to even his darkest uh shot movies whereas is cronenberg you you think of you know maybe it's just the canadianness in him but you definitely think of like the drabness of toronto
0: oh yeah for sure
1: even in his most visually inventive and crazy stuff like even videodrome has that scene on the harbor where everything's brown
0: oh man yeah everything is brown and this i mean dead zone is exclusively brown
1: oh yeah yeah, yeah. well brown and and like very faint blue at times
0: yeah yeah yeah. it's very pale it's like a. Like a faded dish towel. Um, there's there was a part in this movie where where it was Christmas and there wasn't snow, and I was like, "Where is this movie set? Because it's not a normal Stephen King place or a normal Cronenberg place." And then Christopher Walken was like, "Christmas, there should be snow." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Oh yeah, okay."
1: Oh man, oh you you did touch on it earlier, and we should we should bring it back to it before we close this out because we're we're reaching uh, our. Our time, but God damn, young Christopher Walken, man! Oh, right? Just one of those guys who had uh, so much power. Yes, so much power, and so he makes such consistently interesting choices. Mm-hmm. Such a strange view of experience. And then, you know, like, Jack Nicholson and even at times our beloved Nick Cage, they they mm-hmm. turn in, you know, sort of parody performances because...
0: Because that's what people are asking of them, right? Yeah. They're like, hey, could you make that Christopher Walken face? Could you say this, like, spooky Christopher Walken thing? Yeah. No, I mean, it just... But, like, in, this, in Dead Zone, is, there's, you know, there are moments where he's supposed to be Creepy or upset or whatever, where he's making faces where you could be like, "Ha ha, there's a Christopher Walken face." But for the whole first section of the movie, he's just he's like smiling and sweet, and he's saying nice things in a kind voice. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like all things that no one let him do in the whole second half of his career. Yeah, man. no, he
1: has right. such range, and but even within doing like normal uh you know within performing normalcy he still has all of these Mm -hmm. not not spook show not like oh he's such a weird guy but just genuinely strange the way like individual people can be genuinely strange yes he's making real choices that pushes mm-hmm. performance into some other space that isn't just standard movie acting, and it's just—it's such a shame that you know these guys. Whatever he's living a great life, I'm sure he's having a great time. For but I—I sure. I dream but of a world had in such which a
0: strong career. Yeah, I, I yeah. dream
1: of a world in which this isn't the best film he was ever in. You know, this <laughs> yeah, isn't the best yeah. Christopher Walken performance. That there were there were a dozen other films that used him. To the degree that a film like this can use him. And look, I love a good, like, goofy-ass walk-in performance. I love Batman Returns. I love Pulp Fiction. Of course. Whatever, you know, all that stuff. I don't love Pulp Fiction, but I love him in Pulp Fiction. but you know what it was the deer hunter and then this and I, yeah. I, I i i'm sure there's something i'm forgetting but can you think of a better walk-in performance in this movie
0: i there aren't any that i know for sure of there are some movies he was in around the same time that i haven't watched <laughs> that like i've never seen of you do a kill <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, Is he amazing you know, here, in that? here's the thing he like immediately that <laughs> That he's already almost in self-parody mode at that point.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's Like, and that's
1: that's not was it the same year or like a year later or something?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Probably.
1: And so, he's, he's he's completely. Yeah. That 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 that's when people like that start realizing, like, well, nobody can tell the difference. Yeah. between me really doing it and me doing a bit so i'll just do a bit yeah it's like that story I've, I've told enough, a million but... times this story i love about brando where brando supposedly whenever he was working with a new director uh would do two different takes one where he was indicating mm-hmm. and one where he was really acting and he'd wait to see mm-hmm. which take the director printed and mm-hmm. if he could tell the right one then he'd actually turn in a performance and if not he'd be like well I'm not going to I'm not going to, you know, open my veins if you can't tell the difference.
0: What a dick. Oh yeah, totally, what if, right? <laughs> what if he just wasn't as good a performer as he thinks he was and he just did the same thing twice? <laughs>
1: uh, very possible. <laughs> uh, no, I, I think at least early in his career he was yeah. I, you, you know, I, I I think that he was feeling the genuine pain of yeah that the genuine pain of being the person who's doing so much more work than the people around you or is feeling yeah. things so much not not more work because everybody's working hard on a movie I don't I of don't course, mean that they're not you know laboring but that you are are you have a heightened awareness and a heightened you know um, emotional sense of things that people aren't matching you know pe- people aren't meeting you where you are and it, it's too hard to do it if you're not gonna if you can't trust that people will will pick it up and, and run with you for sure but we didn't even talk about shitters
0: but oh you're right i'm sorry <laughs> tell me about shitters oh <laughs> uh,
1: no no no. it's just that it's that goofy ass stephen king <laughs> uh slang if you read enough stephen yeah, king yeah. you get this one of the one of his ticks is he just comes up with these dopey ass slang phrases that I, maybe he heard as a kid in Maine, but I don't think so. <laughs> like, definitely not. And right. he just kind of comes up like, you know, no shitter's ever getting between me and Christine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. Pure, that's pure King. That is. Yes. That line is made one of the most accurate adaptations of Stephen King I've ever <laughs> heard. Whether that line's in the book or not, I just assume it is.
0: It's still correct to him. Yeah, them, exactly. Though. I also, I feel like we, I don't think we've really have... dived into this but i but so far i think i've been generally uh i think he's i think i've generally liked the names he puts on characters they're they're not like i i tend to when i'm writing people i'm like his name is shed um (laughs) which to me is better than being like his name is johnny smith (laughs) i can't yeah exactly um but but he has something sort of in between, where he's like landing on these like uh, his name is Lonnie Donagin. They're all like a little distinctive, you know, Bill Billiams. Uh, but not. But you're like, oh, that's a name, I guess. And Will Williams seems too silly. <laughs> I, uh, but like the main character in this one is what, like Ar- Arnie R- R- Renderson or something, or something like you're that. You're like, I oh, think, that's yeah. like no, it's just so funny, you're it's like, oh yeah, that's definitely a dude who I went to high school yeah. with.
1: Um, because the dead zone is Johnny six. Smith,
0: right? Oh really? Is that where you came up with that? Yeah. That's funny. Well, okay. So that's a bad one, but uh, for the most part, I feel like,
1: well, but it also, you know, it, when you do something so well, then you make that choice. It's,
0: it's true. It's it, true. It
1: becomes meaningful. Johnny Smith ain't no shitter. It's,
0: that's a fact. Nor would he ever say shitter. <laughs> Um, he comes from a different tradition. Johnny Smith is definitely out of a different tradition than than the Stephen King like Band of Boys.
1: Yeah, at least in the film, I, the the Which, book. I, I know guess we have a haven't... lot taken out of the. It's a long book, and in the book, there's sure. like a whole parallel structure. I've I looked at it enough to know this. They're like every other chapter is, mm-hmm. uh, the what's his name, Martin Sheen, the politician.
0: Oh, interesting. So it it, it okay. tracks
1: Johnny and the politician as, like, parallel development all the way through their lives. And so, oh. like, they, it, it's this thing where they're becoming closer and closer intertwined You know, by the end of the book, uh, which, you know, Cronenberg just jettisoned because there's no space for that in the in the film.
0: They're also, I mean, I don't know, I haven't read it, but jettisoning, that seems correct. Because that that makes it a story about two people who are, like, fatally intertwined and this version of it makes it a story about a man who comes into his own as a psychic and then has a crisis of conscience oh yeah
1: i like it much better in theory again i haven't read the book
0: yeah yeah um i do this is a thing to maybe touch on a little bit before we dip out is that christine doesn't go fully into the like band of boys but that is a thing i know enough about stephen king to know that we're gonna run into that a ton where it's like here's six 15 year olds uh (laughs) <laughs> Just fucking each out other saying dumb stuff yeah um and this one it doesn't obviously go fully into that cuz it's like two best friends um but there's like that mob of bullies uh there's oh it definitely falls into that dumb high school m- movie thing where like no one knows what bullying is actually like oh yeah definitely <laughs> where it's just like a big guy with a knife who wants to murder that kid for absolutely <laughs> yeah. no reason you're like that's no one has ever that's never happened oh yeah well, it's like yeah we're not going to
1: do stand by me cuz it's not a horror film but the um yeah kiefer sutherland character in that movie
0: i haven't actually seen oh you movie. haven't
1: seen stand by me it's it's pretty mm-hmm. great uh and kiefer sutherland, but kiefer sutherland plays that knife wielding psychotic okay. yeah, yeah, yeah you know not quite teenage bully like you know it,
0: yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. It's
1: very stephen king um yeah.
0: but it is i think that's going to be a thing we're going to run into even if we're not doing *Stand*. stephen by king's me. band of a brothers turns. yeah
1: um and I just wanna be clear that I wasn't just making a random child sex joke when I said a group of guys fucking each other. Uh pretty sure that's how it ends.
0: Oh great the book. Good. I'm excited to see that. <laughs> I don't know what they do not, not in a weird way. I'm not like excited to watch I don't Dead know Substance what
1: they're people. gonna do in the new movie, I think that's a but follow. I'm pretty sure the novel notoriously ends with an underage gangbang. So
0: That sounds genuinely upsetting. <laughs>
1: Um, yeah, I should probably fact check that before I put it out into the ether. Well, well, guys, you know what Stephen King is really into? Test split tooths, uh, <laughs> libel insurance, Their
0: journalistic ethics.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, this is this is I think the end of our uh, end of our smooth ride, Jim. I mean, we we had a little Cujo shaped bump.
0: You keep thinking that. You keep thinking it, but I think Cujo's the only bad one. No,
1: point. we'll see. We'll see. This is this is certainly the end of the classics um yeah we we've made it through all of the ones that if you were to sit me down a month ago and say what are the good stephen king movies i've i've almost run through the entire list and i've definitely run through the the list of genuine classics
0: i see i don't know why you keep omitting lawnmower man but we'll talk about that (laughs) because it's
1: not based on stephen king uh you say that (laughs) We'll talk about it when we get there. All right. Uh, all right. Uh, day five is is a setting sun, and day six is yet to begun, and we're moving on down the line. Oh, God.
0: I'm going to go to sleep until we record our next episode. Uh,
1: me too. <laughs> Good night, buddy. Good night. Sleep well.
0: No, you're doing that. to the king is a special presentation of the synesthesia podcast produced by iguana donald studios and distributed by split tooth media music by loyalty freak and by jim harmony and his melody machines hell to the king is recorded live before a studio audience in the future and then sent back to your time by attaching the audio to their memories The recordings are harvested by engineers in the past at various points during the childhoods of the audience members. The harvesting process is imperfect, extra material is often harvested. All episodes may contain some portion of human soul. Do not shake. Not microwave safe. Discard seven days after opening. His name is Shed.